Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. Today's episode is a very, very, very special bonus episode. That's three varies there. Chatting all about one of the films premiering at Fright Fest later this week. My name is Ben Errington and I'm joined today by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conjurator-Turner. Hello. Hello. And we are joined by two very special guests, director Douglas Schulz and Hellraiser icon and horror royalty Doug Bradley, here to discuss new movie Fawns, which has its premiere at Fright Fest in London on Saturday, the 26th of August. Uh, welcome, Doug and Doug. Doug Squared. There you go. Doug. Yes, Doug Squared. Yep. Welcome. Thanks. Hi. Hello. How, how are you both doing? Thank, thanks for joining us first and congratulations on Fawns. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're uh, uh, we're excited to uh, world premiere in London. So amazing Exciting times and a great privilege to us. Thank you for the for you guys, the creators and the marketing teams doing the distribution. We've had a chance to watch Thorns already ahead of the uh, premiere. So really excited to talk to you about it today. Um, before we get into the film itself, um, we'll do it in order, shall we? And um, Doug Schulz, you're on my your closest to me on the screen tell me a little bit about your your history as a as a filmmaker what what got you to the point of having thorns out where did you fall in love with the genre of all the films you could have made how did you end up with horror wow uh well you know i've loved horror films my entire life and um i'm particularly keen on an era of uh, uh horror cinema and that being in the late 70s um, on in through the 80s. Um, and we kind of uh, jokingly refer to it as the era of practical effects uh, before, you know, uh, computerized effects really took over. And that was the impetus for um, Thorns. I wanted to do an homage to to the genre, you know, to that era uh, specifically. And um, so this was an exciting opportunity, you know, to do a film where all of the effects are done on set um, and, you know, uh, which presents scheduling uh, nightmares and all hosts of things, but it was a wonderful experience. So 
yeah. wonderful thank you and doug doug bradley here um I mean, as a man who probably is a lot of people's influence and introduction to horror and the thing that maybe drew them into it, I know certainly growing up, I saw your face on a lot of uh, in a lot of video shop covers. But what drew you to the genre of everything you could have acted in? Well, I I was um, I was a fan of horror movies as a teenager before I knew I wanted to be an actor. Um, and going going back, I mean, as as a kid. It, it was ghosts with me, obsessed with ghosts, couldn't get enough of them, um, scared me stupid. So the bedroom lights were on a lot, <laughs> uh, but you couldn't keep me away from them at the same time. But uh, then uh, as a teenager, um, I come in slightly ahead of, of the period that, uh, that the dog has just instanced. I really cut my teeth uh granada television uh which won't mean anything to to uh american audiences but um uh independent television company in the northwest of england i i, I was uh born and raised in liverpool and uh um just after every every monday night after news at 10 at 10 30 they had appointment with fear and they basically screened the entire Hammerback catalog. Uh, so that was that was really my ground floor introduction to horror. And then uh, then discovering the the classic Universal movies uh, on on the back of that, and then and onwards and onwards and onwards. Um, when I became an actor, although when I became a professional actor although I had been working in the theatre with Clive Barker for 10 years before that. So, you know, it being Clive, horror was never far from our front door, though not exclusively so. Um, it wasn't with any expectation or specific ambition to work in in the genre this is this is uh i'm talking about around 1982 1983 at this point um you can't really you can't afford to to make those decisions uh as an actor you know it, it is a question of will rock for food um so i didn't have any any specific ambition to work in the genre um i didn't know that three years later clive would ask me to be in hellraiser but he did and that sort of changed the landscape a bit. Mm. Well, it yeah. certainly did. It changed the landscape. And then obviously, Andy, you're talking about everyone's first instances of of horror. It was one of my earliest uh, actual horror memories was seeing the VHS cover for Hellraiser. And for the first time, just thinking, what is that? What does that possibly mean? <laughs> and, and, from, and from then... Like my love of the genre has just blossomed. And I guess similar to you, Doug, in a way that like you were scared of ghosts. I was scared. I think mine was kind of zombies. Um, what you're the most scared of, you kind of you tend to gravitate towards that more than anything, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think, yeah. I think my personal memory there is being scared of a combination of Doug here and Robert England. My dad has a much younger brother. Um, so he was a teenager when I was growing up as a kid, and his bedroom had a poster of Fred Krueger, poster of uh, Pinhead on his wall. 
didn't like going in my uncle's room when I went to visit my grandparents. Um, <laughs> I don't want to go in there. <laughs> but, but then as I got older, those were the films that, you know, when I could go to a video shop and my, should we call them laissez-faire parents of the 80s and 90s were like, yeah, you can rent that out. What's that number on the corner? doesn't matter. Um, oh. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into talking about fawns real quick then. Um, so just a, a few details on the film. Um, an ex-priest working for NASA is sent to investigate a remote observatory that went silent after receiving a mysterious radio signal from deep space. Upon arrival, he discovers the signal has opened a portal, unleashing a fawned monster. Um so where, where were the or origins um, of the idea for this film and how did this collaboration between the two of you uh, come together? Uh, okay. Uh, the uh, the impetus for the idea, again, you know, uh, stems all the way back to, um, uh, you know, the era of the 80s and in, in, uh, the physical makeup effects films that I so loved. Um you know, um, as far as the uh, relationship between uh, uh, Doug and I, uh, we have a, a, a mutual friend, um, uh, Doug's manager, and I've worked with um, uh, Chris uh, uh, Rowe before, and uh, 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 he made the introduction. Um, you know, I've always wanted to work with uh, Doug Bradley, but I, you know, I um, wasn't quite certain whether this project would have been a fit. And um, it was actually Chris's idea to uh, to approach Doug. And the minute uh, he did, you know, uh, suggested I was, you know, elated and, um, uh, you know, waiting uh, to see if Doug might be interested in uh, coming on board the project. So, um, yeah. Amazing. And I guess what drew you, uh, Doug, to the project? Was it just you got a look at the script and then you realized that it was something Absolutely. you wanted to get your teeth into? Sure. Um, I mean, I just pick up on the back end of what uh, Doug was saying. So Chris then approached me uh, and he vouched for Doug. And uh, I said what I always say, which is, OK, well, let's look at the script. And, uh, you know, that's, that's all, that's always the starting point. Um, unless, uh, uh, you know, as I've said before, unless somebody's offering me, um, stupid amounts of money that I really don't care what the script is like, that, that <laughs> doesn't happen by the way, but oh. you know, uh, one fine day, uh, and with due respect to Doug, that was not the case here though, the, the, the offer he made was very decent um uh so you 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 read the script and either the script grabs your attention or it doesn't and it did and you pay closer attention to the part that you're being offered and either it grabs your attention or it doesn't and it did um uh, you know it uh it's, it's a it's a well written screenplay, um, certainly with with the character that I'm playing. The um, uh, well, you described him as an ex priest. I'm not sure he's ex, is he, Doug? Well, he's, there is a character. Uh, yeah, there. You know, your character is obviously the archbishop. Um, yes. And uh, we were debating at one point the difference between the bishop and the archbishop, and um, I think you yeah. preside over more. Um, uh, uh, 
clergy in your area of the world, um, right? Um, you know, he's, according yes, to he's still kind of, I, in my mind, in his own strange ways, kind of still active, though I think um, the Archbishop bit maybe a bit more of a front these days. Yeah. But we're actually, I mean, it's, it, all of that was never really explored. Um hmm. We only ever see him in 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 tight close up anyway, really. Um, so uh, the 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 part, I mean, from what I've outlined, the part is intriguing. Uh, an an archbishop who is working for NASA, as it were, or unnamed space agency, um, and this idea that because the strange things that are going on with the with the rogue space station sending out strange signals is happening in the heavens and the heavens are roughly speaking god's domain um that this is this should also come under the purview of the church as well as i'm i'm not sure that that nasa would <laughs> would 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 agree to this idea but but you know it, it grabbed me and then beyond that you know it's it's uh it's an apocalypse movie it's you know it kind of uh roots itself in 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 the book of revelation to some extent i'm very much an atheist so i don't i you know i don't really buy into all of that but i love i love the language and the and the poetry and and the imaginative ideas uh involved with that so all of it just grabbed me and so uh chris negotiated came back to me i said yes and uh and um and and here we are yeah we and are. how did you react when you got the yes doug Oh yeah. Uh, well, I, I, it was certainly made a, uh, made a segment of my, uh, filmic career, uh, you know, filling that, uh, bucket list, uh, so to speak. And, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of working with some wonderful actors over the years and, um, you know, Doug was, uh, amazingly well prepared oh. and, um, uh, so forth. Yeah. So. Um, Doug raised a really good point there and conceptually it's one of the things that I gravitate towards watching this movie um, call me old fashioned I like it when things fit together and I love a connection in a story and I really thought uh, what you built, built there to kind of connect elements of faith with elements of science and finding links between them and you know having a story where you could look at both of these you know in many ways diametrically opposite uh viewpoints of the world right how they could approach the same phenomenon the same signal in very different ways and see those things unfold conceptually it's a nice part for the film to begin i think having doug um there to present and have that as the face of the church side of the things and how that agency is looking at it is a really interesting point but um Doug Schultz, I noticed that we, looking at it with your your background as well, um, not the first time you've touched on a combination of this as well. I noticed that, is it John, your lead actor, um, has played the character a character named Gabriel Goodman, at very least in one of your previous movies as well. Is it a name you really liked? I'm not sure if there's any connection between them, or is it just Alliteration a, a character is good. that you wanted to to bring into another film and have another another turn with John starring in it as well? 
Yeah, I we joked on set that there were, we had unfinished business, right? Um, but I've always been intrigued with stories having to do with spirituality and uh, lost lost faith. Um, you know, I was uh, born and raised Catholic, um, uh, and I I don't really practice. Uh, I find um, aspects of uh, religion, uh, many aspects, frightening. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I think everyone wants to believe in positive, hopeful uh, uh, things. And so um, I tackled the idea years ago. And um, uh, way back when, when there was a thing called Blockbuster video, and the film we made was, um, it actually did relatively well as this blockbuster exclusive. And uh, I worked with the actor, John Bennett, uh, who returns in this film. And uh, John really hadn't done, uh, he hadn't really pursued much acting since. And uh, this script came around and I, I just thought it very fitting, um, uh, an idea to, uh, to, to approach him about coming on board again to, uh, uh, to play in thorns so yeah amazing get the band back together uh, there you <laughs> exactly um so i mean doug how was your preparation uh for this role compared to other iconic characters obviously you didn't have to spend any time in the makeup, time in the makeup chair minutes. right it's <laughs> <laughs> more slightly less time about 10 minutes <laughs> 10 minutes yeah yeah well, if that may not have been quite that long, um, you know, the script. Mm, lots and of dialogue as well. Lots of dialogue to get your teeth into. Plenty, plenty of words. So learn them. Mm. Uh, let them let them sink in. Um, I am not actually an archbishop. Um, so, you know, you have to readjust your head to think of yourself as being one, albeit an archbishop of a peculiar caste in this case. Um, Suppose as an atheist, playing characters that have a lot of religious connections and connotations must be interesting, at least. Yes. I mean, I, I describe myself as a religious atheist, which is partly partly to confuse Christians, which is easily done and always amusing um uh but also to kind of rescue the religious bit from organized religions who think they invented it um and particularly the monotheistic religions um you know being aware that the urge to religion predates uh those religions it's always been there um the the sense of of the numinous and so forth um, and I've always been very interested in uh, mythology and folklore. I've I've always said that I would have a much easier relationship with Christianity if it would accept that it's operating in a mythological landscape. Mm. Uh, specifically, if if you look at the life of Christ and you look at the life of Dionysus from the Greek myths side by side, they're almost identical. Um, uh, it's it's when it's when uh, when people want me to believe that these things actually happened that I kind of you know sidle off to the side saying eh, don't know 
virgin births mm, not sure <laughs> um you know uh and i was i was raised in a religious household my grandfather um uh a scottish baptist minister with all the terrifying connotations that that may come with uh, uh fundamentalist calvinist persuasions predestination predetermination all of that uh and every word of the bible was the divinely inspired word of god not to be changed challenged edited or you know modified in any way shape or form um huge influence on me as a boy but i think not necessarily in the ways that he was expecting yeah um it does feel like you've got the qualifications in place though to play some of these characters. Yeah, well, I get and I, 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 you know, so I grew up in in a, uh, I was raised Methodist. Um, uh, the church was very central to my parents' lives, and therefore it 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 was to me as a boy growing up, and I just kind of believed it because you know, it's it was the air that I breathed. Uh, um, as a teenager, I think I started to think, you know, not sure about this. So I, I think I graduated to, to the non-committal position of agnostic before, you know, finally saying, you know what, this is bullshit. And um, you know, when you, when you look at what we know now about the universe we live in and the planet we live on and the solar system and ourselves. And how we originated, uh, you know, stuff that uh, um, that knowledge has grown exponentially in in the last fifty years. I don't think I have a very comforting worldview. I don't think the universe is a very comforting place, and I understand that religion brings that sense of comfort and reassurance to people. I'm not sure that they necessarily have any reason to suppose. You know that that's the case. Um, we could we could blink out as a planet tomorrow, if the if the right asteroid came along. I think the universe, largely speaking, would shrug its shoulders and carry on, and would barely be aware that this little blue dot in a in an unremarkable corner had Most gone. Uh, um, do, you, do you think that anybody watching the movie Fawns will come away with any of these faults? Uh, were any of these discussions on set as well? When discussing this, because obviously it's quite a compl complex. I'm ideology certainly coming away with them now. I'm gonna have to little sit down and think about the universe when I finish. <laughs> when I finish this, <laughs> I might I might need ten minutes at least. I think I, I think I have a Lovecraftian view of the universe. I don't. I think Lovecraft believed mm. it was old, unloving and unlovely place, and I think I rather agree with him. It's an extraordinary and magical and amazing and beautiful place um but you know uh rather indifferent to us at the same time i don't i don't recall us engaging engaging in these discussions doug i mean it was a it was a fairly tight shoot you know um it was more about learn your lines and turn up on time and don't bump into the furniture than you know uh worry yourself about <laughs> yeah about the larger metaphysical issues <laughs> This is good pub conversation for after we've uh, had screenings of the movie. In the few minutes that we have, I want to make sure that we cover the 
the bits. So obviously, we're screening at Fright Fest. Doug, remind me, is this your European or world premiere over here? Yeah, it's the world premiere. Uh, we're we're starting here, and wow. uh, later in October, universe we'll in universe premiere, universe the, premiere. Yeah, the universal universe premiere. premiere, and uh, then we'll be going <laughs> to Spain, and um, uh, we just uh, were invited to uh, Stockholm. Uh, Sweden for the monsters of film too. So, wow. uh, nice. so yeah. So it's catching fire, you know. And uh, we're choosing our festivals um, carefully. Uh, we were invited to a few others, but we wanted to wait for the the right rollout. And uh, Fright Fest is, you know, um, I've never been to London, so um, I'm looking forward to it. Certainly one of our favorites as well. And it's uh, lovely to have you um, joining us as well. Um, so for the longer term folks, um, obviously those that aren't able to make it to a festival this season, I know other things will likely be in discussion. So where is the best place to follow you to see what's coming next, to see when we get distribution and where they'll be able to watch it at home as well? What other platforms they would be best to find you on and follow more about Thorns? Well, we have a, um, a social media uh, page through Facebook. If you look up Thorns movie, um, you should be able to find us there. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, beyond that, um, you know, we we hope to uh, uh, find a, an amicable distributor uh, early for early in 24. So stay tuned for that. And we'll pass along the information too. So brilliant. Sounds good. Well, I don't want to keep you and make you late for your next one. I know you've got a a gamut of these to run before uh, Fright Fest, just three sleeps to go at time of recording, everybody. Um, so three thank sleeps. you so much for joining us. And then never sleep again, thinking about these <laughs> existential questions of the universe. <laughs> um, no way. Yeah, I'm, this has been a fascinating discussion. I would love, mm. love to uh, carry on on the other side of the films. We'll see you in the bars around the places, I'm sure. But as we leave you, I'll give you a quick fire question to finish off. Both involved in horror, both horror fans in the very quickly for each of you. I'll start with Doug Bradley. If you're introducing people to a horror film, they ask you for a horror film to pick and sit down and watch. What do you serve up to your friends and family as a horror recommendation? God, wow, wow. Uh, it would it would depends on the individuals, I think. I mean, my favorite horror film remains The Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, um, you know, some people say, oh, it's old, it's black and white, can't watch that. Um, Halloween, the first Halloween, it's a brilliant piece of filmmaking and a uh, damn good horror film. Um, Fantastic choice, perfect choice. Can I argue Doug Schulz, what's your what's your what's your shot? You got one. You got one choice. What are you what are you putting in front oh, of people? pressure? Well, yeah. Uh, gosh. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I certainly concur with uh, Doug on the idea that there are so many different ways you can approach this. There is there are some people who have more of an appetite for, um, you know, uh, certain aspects of the genre. You know, special makeup effects and things like that. I I would eventually get them to uh, Hellraiser, right? Uh, but I would I probably wouldn't start them there. Uh, maybe George Romero's um, Night of the Living Dead. Um, again, like you know, Doug was saying, it's, some people may look at it as you know black and white. Um, you know, uh, sixteen millimeter. You know, made a while ago, but there's something very um, 
you know, uh, visceral about it and uh, in its in its crudeness um, and the independentness of it, I think it's still a very haunting and terrifying film. So it might be a good place to start. Amazing picks. Thank you both so much. Uh, ben, do you want to bring us home? Sure. Thanks. Thanks, Doug. And thanks, Doug and Doug. I realize I keep saying Doug and just looking at different areas of the screen. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. Um, but yeah, thanks both of you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both. Thanks for taking the time. We're looking forward to seeing Fawns on the big screen. Um, and yeah, so thanks to everybody for listening as well. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Um, and yeah, we will see everybody at Fright Fest. We'll be at the event. We'll be covering it as well. So it'd be good to catch up. Uh, thanks to you both for joining us. And we'll see you very soon. Bye Thank for you. now, everybody. Bye Take bye. care. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.